Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. What we're going to talk about today is one of many things that I'm actively working on. And I bring this up because I know that when I first got introduced to coaching and I was first getting my own coaching, I had this idea that the coaches have everything figured out and that like their lives are perfect. And I just want to make sure that you all know that my life is not perfect and I'm still working on many things because we are constantly evolving. So if you feel like you got a lot of work ahead of you, don't worry. I do too. When I teach about negotiating conflict, I like the model of the villain, victim, and helpless story. I'm pretty sure I touched on this in a previous episode, but here's the basic premise. We often tell ourselves a story that we fully believe is just the truth about our own role versus the role of someone else. In the victim story, you're exaggerating your own innocence, that you're clearly in the right and on the defensive, and someone else is attacking you for no valid reason. In the villain story, you're exaggerating the other party's malevolence. They're just clearly evil people with no redeeming qualities. In the helpless story, which is often intertwined with a villain story, you're minimizing or ignoring your own capabilities. You believe that you have no power, no good options. Sometimes a helpless story means saying that there's nothing I can do. And sometimes it's being used to justify unscrupulous actions, like they left me no other choice. When a relationship seems to frequently result in conflict, there's a very high chance that one of these scenarios is at play. I think it's safe to assume that most of us fall prey to these things from time to time. Hopefully, most of us don't perpetually live in one of these stories. Although, if we do, we're probably not the type of person who has enough insight to be open to the concept of coaching, much less listening to a coaching podcast. But the one that I find that many people have a hard time wanting to let go of is the villain story. So think back several episodes ago when I told about how once I was at a live coaching event and someone was getting coached about her boss, whom she described as an absolute monster. And my first thought was, well, I can't wait to hear what the coach says about dealing with a horrible boss like that. But remember what the coach actually said. She said, that's a terrible story you're telling yourself. My own reaction to that as an observer was shock, but also a ton of skepticism. How could any rational person believe anything different? And why would they want to? Why on earth would anyone want to not believe that someone who demonstrates no redeeming qualities is anything other than a terrible person? Before we answer that question, let's take a closer look at the reasons why we might cling to that belief so strongly. For one thing, as we've discussed many times, our brains are really good at identifying, exaggerating, and even creating evidence to prove something that we believe to be a truth. If you have a handful of encounters with someone and a pattern seems to be emerging with some of their behaviors, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to start unconsciously watching for evidence to support this and then preferentially noticing and remembering those things rather than behaviors that might not support or might even contradict your belief. 
Before you know it, your brain has collected so much evidence that it feels like proof. It feels like this is absolute, like it's just a truth and it's incontrovertible. For another thing, we like to be right and we hate to be wrong. So if there's a person who seems to have a set of core values or behaviors that's diametrically opposed to your own, well, in order to believe that you are in the right, you kind of have to believe that they are in the wrong. And if you want to believe that you're a good and decent person, well, then the other person must be a villain since they're the opposite. What's really interesting about this is that even people who really struggle with their self-worth and think that deep down they must be broken somehow, even people with those issues have villains and they tend to unconsciously classify themselves as good and the villain as bad. Well, sometimes we hang on to the villain story out of a desire for community and belonging. How does that work? Well, it comes out of confusion, that's for sure. Since we are inherently social creatures and having a community is crucial for survival, we want others to like us. If people like us, they'll support us and vice versa. And sometimes people turn to hating someone or something together as a misguided source of community. They want to feel bonding by having this dislike in common with each other. This is one of those things that drives click formation and gossiping that little dopamine boost that comes from feeling a connection with another person. And it does feel good at first, but it's tainted. As soon as the dopamine fades, in swoop the less pleasant emotions that make us feel worse in the long run. Sometimes it might be regret and shame, like in the case of gossiping. Sometimes it might be bitterness and resentment and hatred, like in the case of having a shared villain. Okay, so now that we've covered why we develop and hang on to villain stories, it's pretty obvious why we would want to try and at least de-emphasize them. Engaging in this kind of stuff has some pretty unpleasant consequences for you, and it doesn't affect the villain at all. Think about all the emotions that you might feel if you're thinking a thought like, they're out to get me. You might feel angry, resentful, indignant disrespected, powerless, disregarded, bitter, so many things, and all of them are uncomfortable and not in a good way. They don't pass through you cleanly. They almost always snowball and fester. Here are some of the other things that these types of emotions don't do. They don't foster personal growth. They don't put you in a solutions-focused mindset. They don't change your current circumstances for the better. They don't teach the villain a lesson. They don't make the villain change their ways. They don't show people how good you are and how bad the villain is. And they don't get the villain out of your life. So the end result is that having this type of a story makes you feel miserable and doesn't accomplish anything that you really want to accomplish. So now we've got our why. The how, of course, is a little more challenging. How you approach this depends on the role that the person currently plays in your life and what role you intend on allowing them to continue playing. One of the main strategies I learned in my coach training was that you have to learn how to love people exactly as they are, imperfect and flawed. And while I think that's a good approach for someone that you have a strong bond with and that you want to stay a very active part of your life, 
I'm not sure this is really the best strategy for everyone. So if it's maybe an extended family member or a family member by marriage, that might work. As an example, I have a client whose brother-in-law's politics are pretty much the opposite of hers, and her brother-in-law likes to bring up controversial topics and try and get a rise out of her. Now, she's decided that he's going to remain in her life, and they're going to see each other from time to time. And since she'd rather not be seething the whole time, we've done a lot of work on how she can rewrite this story in her mind. There's no goal of changing his beliefs or behavior because we don't get to control other people. And there's no goal of trying to convince him that he's wrong. Now, it also doesn't mean thinking that he's right. It's just about rewriting the narrative to allow for him to continue being the person that he is without causing herself unnecessary suffering. This is the kind of thing that takes a ton of practice. And there's usually a lot of trial and error, especially at first. But the good news is that if you're planning on someone being a part of your life long term, chances are very good that you're going to have a lot of opportunities to keep trying until you get the progress that you want. But when it's someone that you don't have a personal bond with, someone like the person who thought that her boss was a monster... My personal opinion is that it feels awfully artificial to try and love someone like that. Love is a pretty strong emotion, and in my mind, it's reserved for people who are special. Maybe I'm petty, maybe I'm just not a big enough person. If you're the kind of person who can find a way to love a coworker that you don't know personally and you don't even really like, I'm really happy for you and that's great. But I'm not sure that works for a lot of us. So my opinion is that getting to neutral is pretty darn good. For the woman who hated her boss, if she could get away from, she's out to get me, she might really improve how she feels about work. It might look like trying to just imagine that maybe there's room for giving the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I don't understand this decision, but maybe there's crucial information that I'm not aware of. Or it might look like trying to remember that people are rarely all good or all bad. Something like, I don't agree with this particular decision, but that doesn't mean she's a terrible person. Or it might look like trying to close the gap between herself and the villain to stop othering her. It might be something like, sometimes I too make decisions that other people disagree with. Sometimes even getting to neutral seems out of reach. What then? Well, you do still have a couple of options to diffuse how you're thinking. When neutral seems impossible, the best you can do might be to remind yourself how to move on. You might be able to remind yourself, I do not like how this person handles things, but I choose to spend my time thinking about something else. It might be, I do not like how this person handles things, and I'm going to focus on better suggestions. It might be as simple as, these emotions are coming from what I'm thinking. I can keep thinking this way if I want to, or I can change how I'm thinking anytime I want. Sometimes the easiest way I can snap myself out of this is to just acknowledging that I'm wallowing a bit. It's okay, and I can do it if I want, but do I really want to? And while it could be simple, like the examples we just gave, it also might be as dramatic as, I respect myself so much that I choose not to continue working in a place that tolerates this behavior. But notice the tone here. 
Notice how it's not, I refuse to work with these jerks. It's, I value myself and I choose differently. There's a big difference. Instead of villainizing the person at the place, you're focusing on your own power and control. And along with that comes being responsible for your emotional well-being. Looking at this from the standpoint of no one controls me or how I feel, that means you get to be completely in charge. It's so much more liberating. I know these can be some hard concepts to really absorb and adopt. Don't be frustrated if it doesn't come naturally or if it takes a lot of practice. If you'd like help working through any of your villain stories, come visit me at whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule your free consult. See you next time. Any opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.